0: One of my favorite Sunday School children's songs is the song, My God is So Big. And it goes something like this, My God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. He made the trees, He made the seas, He made the elephants too. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. The mountains are His, the rivers are His, the skies are His handiworks too. My God is so great, so strong, and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. There's nothing my God cannot do. There's nothing my God cannot do for you. The corresponding hand actions to this song are also wonderful and meaningful, but I'm not going to demonstrate those to you. This song from the perspective of a child should also be the perspective of us as adults, a reminder to us that the God we worship and trust is such an amazing, mighty God that He can do whatever He wants, and it is evidenced by His wonderful creations, the sky, the seas, the mountains, the rivers, and even the elephants. There is nothing my God cannot do for you. Sometimes we need to remind ourselves of this great truth that my God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do in order to have the courage to persevere through the trials and the challenges and the crucibles of our lives. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the book of Joshua, chapter 10, as we take a look at verses 1 to 27, to remind ourselves of just how big our God is as we continue our sermon series, Courage in the Crucible studying the book of Joshua. Look at me at verses 1 to 4 of Joshua chapter 10. Now it came to pass when Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard how Joshua had taken Ai and had utterly destroyed it, as he had done to Jericho and its king. So he had done to Ai and its king, and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them, that they feared greatly. Because Gibeon was a great city, like one of the royal cities. And because it was greater than I, and all its men were mighty, therefore Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, sent to Hoham, king of Hebron, Piram, king of Jarmuth, Japhia, king of Lachish, and Debir, king of Eglon, saying, Come up to me and help me, that we may attack Gibeon, for it has made peace with Joshua and with the children of Israel." Now, by way of background, these four verses tell us that the pagan king of Jerusalem heard about the great defeat of the cities of Jericho and Ai by the Israelites, and how they had entered into a peace accord with the Gibeonites, albeit through the Gibeonites' deception, as we talked about last week. But the king of Jerusalem was scared, because Gibeon was a formidable city with strong fighting men, very close to his territory. And along with the forces of Israel, allied with the Gibeonites, the pagan king felt threatened. So he invited four other Amorite kings from the cities of Hebron, Jarmuth, Lachish, and Eglon to come together to attack the city of Gibeon. Look at verses 5 and 6. Therefore, the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon gathered together and went up they and all their armies encamped before Gibeon and made war against it. And the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua at the camp of Gilgal, saying, Do not forsake your servants. Come up to us quickly, save us, and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the mountains have gathered together against us. Now naturally, the Gibeonites sent word to Joshua, saying that they were about to be attacked and appealed for help from the people who they had just tricked into signing a peace covenant with them. Now we don't know if there is a clause in the covenant or in the peace treaty that necessitated Israel coming to the aid of the Gibeonites. And it seems the Bible doesn't seem to indicate that there is. So most likely the Israelites saw this as an opportunity to take out five of their enemies all at the same time instead of fighting each of these kings individually in their fortified cities, the circumstances were such that now they have come together out of their fortified cities and were gathered together in open battle. So the Israelites immediately responded to the Gibeonites' call for help with the Lord's blessings. Look at verses 7 to 9. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, He and all the people of war with him and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear, for I have delivered them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. Joshua therefore came upon them suddenly, having marched all night from Gilgal. Here we see that God encouraged Joshua and He said that He was with them and He would give them an assured victory. But in that assurance, God did something else. He gave them the stamina to march about 32 kilometers or 20 miles through the night and still have the energy to attack their enemy when they had arrived. Now let's see how much walking was involved. Walking or marching at a moderate pace covered one kilometer every 15 minutes. So to walk 32 kilometers is about an eight-hour march without stopping. Add to that that it was an uphill climb as the elevation rose more than a thousand meters or about 3,300 feet in rugged terrain, which is what verse 7 mentions, Joshua ascended from Gilgal. So it was probably at least a 9 to 10 hour hard marching walk all through the night. Now would you have the energy to now fight against a fierce enemy having marched uphill for 9 to 10 hours? I certainly wouldn't. After such a long, hard march, I would want to sleep and recover and then perhaps attack the enemy the next day. But the Lord gave them miraculous strength, the strength they needed to defeat their enemies after such a long march. Look at verse 10. So the Lord routed them before Israel, killed them with the great slaughter at Gibeon, chased them along the road that goes to Beth Haron, and struck them down as far as Azekah and Makedah. Look at how the verse is written. The Lord routed the enemy before Israel. It was not through the military strength of the Israelites that allowed them to defeat the combined strength of five kings. It was the Lord who gave them the strength to achieve this victory. This was very much a miraculous work on the part of God. Don't think that this isn't a miraculous work because it wasn't some great spectacle. To be able to have the energy and the stamina to win a convincing victory over your enemy after marching for 10 hours straight uphill is nothing short of a miracle. You see, if we read the Bible too fast, we overlook this piece of detail. Similarly, it is with these little miraculous enablements from the Lord that helps us to get through the day. We experience everyday miracles and everyday enablement from the Lord if we will acknowledge it as such. I want to help us understand a very important principle, number one, that my God is so big, He enables me to overcome my challenges. My God is so big, He enables me to overcome my challenges. There are many who do not think that our ability to accomplish our daily tasks Is because of God's miraculous intervention and enablement. But remember Jesus' own words in John chapter 15, verse 5. John chapter 15, verse 5 I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Jesus' own words, without me you can do nothing. And so, for example, if you have a list of ten things to do to accomplish in a day, you think, I can get this all done. These are ten simple things. But, you know, a blown tire at the beginning of the day, or perhaps a personal accident like slipping on the bathroom tiles or on the floor, or perhaps waking up with a cold or a sickness, could easily wipe out your ability to get anything done, much less ten things done in a day. But the fact that we can often accomplish those things on our list is because God has helped us to avoid certain things through His protection to enable us to do what we are able to do. Or perhaps God may be working silently in the background to remove all of these obstacles that we don't know were even obstacles to allow us to accomplish what we want to accomplish. To be able to complete the task of each day and to check it off our list is really a miraculous work on the part of God. You know, there are times I only get four to five hours of sleep and I have a full day ahead. I'm exhausted physically and mentally. I'm drained emotionally and spiritually. So to get me through the day, I have to pray, Lord, give me Your strength. Give me the stamina to make it through the day. And I'm able only by God's strength to make it through the day. How many of you do just that? to trust in the greatness of God to give you the strength to make it through the day. Now that being said, that doesn't mean you should regularly get little sleep or not eat properly or not exercise and assume that God will always come to the rescue each time. There are personal responsibilities that God expects of us and He won't come to our aid if we don't put in the effort that He expects us to contribute to. What we're talking about in this scenario is talking about those times when we need that extra boost, when we are weak and in need of enablement, in need of help, so we can always ask the mighty God for His strength and His enablement. Students, if you need wisdom, the Bible tells us to ask it from God. Now, that doesn't preclude you from studying hard, but you can pray that the Lord will help you retain what you have studied to be able to recollect on those tests what is filed in your brain, to help you keep your concentration when there are many distractions, to help you comprehend what you are studying as you are seeking help from the one who is the source of all knowledge and truth and the one who is the creator of this world. How many of you pray before you study, before you take a test? Now again, this is not those times when you have not studied because you are watching Netflix or playing online games and then asking God to give you an A or the ability to pass, you will probably fail that exam. And if you do, don't blame God. These requests for enablement is for when you have put in your responsibility but rely on God's enablement for help. Or for those who are worried about something in life or going through financial hardships or have a loved one or perhaps yourself who is sick or terminally ill, and you don't have the emotional strength or the focus to make it to the day, you think. When you pray, the Lord will give you the power to persevere through those very difficult times. Just rely on Him and His strength. You know, there's nothing shameful in admitting that we need help. In fact, the great Apostle Paul pleaded with the Lord in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 and 9, to take away something that he was going through. And in the Lord's own word, to Paul, he encouraged him with these words, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 and 9. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And the Lord said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I love those words. The Lord's words, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your human weakness. So you and I can say, My God is so big, He gives me the enablement to overcome my challenges. Look at verse 11 with me. And it happened as they fled before Israel and were on the descent of Beth Horon that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven on them as far as Azekah, and they died. There were more who died from the hailstones than the children of Israel killed with the sword. The Bible tells us as the armies of the five kings fled from before Joshua and his men, the Lord opened up the heavens and hailstones came down and hit the soldiers who were running away and killed them. Can you imagine a precision hailstorm, almost like modern-day missiles coming down from heaven and picking off only the enemy soldiers one by one? There is a note here that more died from the hailstones than by the sword of the Israelites to clearly illustrate that this victory is a work of God. It was God who should claim glory for this victory. The God who created the heavens and the earth is the God who controls all of nature, and he will often use nature to accomplish his purpose, like in this case, where he uses the natural occurring hailstorm to defeat Israel's enemies. You remember in the life of Jesus when he and his 12 disciples were crossing the Sea of Galilee, and suddenly a storm arose, and the ship was quickly filling with water, and they were sinking. And in the account in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41, as it was recounted, They woke up Jesus, and Jesus said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. And the Bible tells us the disciples were exceedingly fearful, and they said to one another, Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey Him? Of course, we know that Jesus is the Son of God. He is God Himself and had the divine power to control nature. Just those words, peace, be still, and even the wind and the sea obeyed Him to the astonishment of His disciples. That's why you and I can make this second proclamation. My God is so big, He uses nature to accomplish His will, His purpose. My God is so big, He uses nature to accomplish His will, His purpose. That should put you and I in a state of awe and worship to realize that this is the God to whom we can pray to ask of help from Him. You know, so many of our prayers are centered on weather-related things, and it's quite appropriate. We pray that it will rain to help our plants grow. We pray that it will not rain so that we can enjoy our vacation. We pray for sunshine so that we can enjoy the beach. We pray for clouds to cover the sun when it is too hot. We pray for the intensity of the typhoon and the hurricane to lessen so that it wouldn't be so destructive. While some students, if they are honest, selfishly pray for an intense storm so that classes would be canceled. You know, I sometimes wonder who will God listen to. And the truth is that He decides based on what accomplishes His will because He is sovereign and His wisdom far exceeds ours. So while we pray for something we want, like perhaps not raining on our wedding day, you know, if it does, we should acknowledge that it is for God's greater purpose and perhaps a reminder of His showers of blessings. You can ask any farmer and they would say, it is such. Nature is a reminder of how powerful our God is to give us the courage to live through the challenges of our lives psalm chapter 19 verse 1 says this the heavens declare the glory of god and the firmament shows his handiwork and that is so true nature is a reminder of how powerful our god is and god uses nature to accomplish his will in 1588 the english issued a commemorative medal with this latin inscription Flavit Jehovah et Disipati Sunt, which translates as Jehovah blew with His winds and they were scattered. This was in reference to the defeat of the mighty Spanish armada or battle fleet in 1588 when the fleet was broken up by a storm. You see, the Spanish armada was prepared to invade England and depose the Protestant queen, Queen Elizabeth I. This Battle fleet consisted of around 130 ships, 8,000 sailors, 18,000 soldiers, 1,500 brass guns and 1,000 iron guns. But because of circumstances, the Spanish Armada was unable to pick up the 30,000 Spanish army waiting in the Netherlands. It was forced instead to flee northward around the east coast of Britain and attempted to return to Spain by sailing around the north coast of Scotland and around Ireland. Here, in addition to the usually rough seas, the ship ran into a heavy storm, sometimes described as one of the most northern hurricanes on record. Usually hurricanes don't go up that far north. Many ships were sunk or driven onto the Irish coast and shipwrecked. Over 50 ships were lost, and the armada ceased to be an effective force. In the end, 67 ships and fewer than 10,000 men survived in its return to Spain. England rejoiced, crediting the series of natural events and storms to a God who was protecting England. King Philip II of Spain and his plan to invade England had been effectively quashed, the weather having played a large part. He was said to have declared I sent the armada against men, not against God's winds and waves. And so the phrase, God blew and they were scattered, was inscribed in that commemorative medal. You see, we need to acknowledge that our God is so big. He uses the awesome power of nature to accomplish His will. Is this the God in whom you place your trust? What a comfort to know that just one word from God and even the wind and the sea obey Him. Look at me at verses 12 to 15. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And He said in the sight of Israel, Sun, stand still over Gibeon and moon in the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped the people had revenge upon their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. And there has been no day like that, before it or after it, that the Lord heeded the voice of a man. For the Lord fought for Israel. Then Joshua returned, and all Israel with him, to the camp at Gilgal. As the soldiers of Israel were routing the combined forces of the five Amorite kings as God had commanded, they needed more daylight to finish the job before the cover of darkness came with the setting sun. So Joshua did something very bold and showed his great immense faith that he had in the greatness and the power of God. Joshua asked God publicly if he would cause the sun and the moon to stay where they were from his perspective and stop moving to basically freeze the day so that they would have more daylight, that the day would be longer so that they could wipe out completely the enemy. This would require that the rotation of the earth would have to be stopped or severely slowed down because we know the earth rotates around the sun. Joshua was making a request based on his observation on earth about the sun and the moon, and he isn't here making a scientific statement just like we would say the sun is setting in the west or rising from the east, it is from our perspective. But the question that is often asked is, did this really happen? Scientifically, if this were to happen and the earth's rotation was stopped or severely slowed down, there would be catastrophic after effects all upon the earth. How in the world was God able to do this? How did God perform this supernatural act we may not fully know or we may not fully understand. But you know, my friends, quite honestly, we're not supposed to understand how God did it because it's a miracle. A supernatural act of God to answer the request of Joshua does not need a scientific explanation. You see, the very fact that it is a miracle means it is unexplainable. One simply can't explain miracles. You and I can explain how something came out of nothing as it relates to the creation of the world. It was a miraculous work of God. You can explain how the dead live again. It is a miraculous work of God which He exemplified could happen when Jesus conquered death and rose from the dead, having died and was buried. So the question is, do you have faith to believe that our God can do something like this? to cause the rotation of the earth to slow down so much that instead of a 24-hour rotation, it was a 48-hour rotation without causing massive tidal issues or things flying around or other catastrophic events. As you and I know, the earth rotates around itself in 24 hours. So the rotation of the earth's speed at the equator is about 1,670 kilometers per hour. Now that's fast think about the velocity, and then think about the force required to immediately stop the rotation of the earth or to slow it down severely. No human could do that. But God does it instantaneously, instantly. Even the fictional Superman trying to stop a speeding train is pushed back because of the forces involved as Superman tries to slow down the train. But God, with His one-word command immediately stops the spinning earth without affecting anything else. That is the power of our omnipotent God. Remember, if you and I believe that He is all-powerful, then He can do the impossible. If He created the world in six days and rested on the seventh day, then He can certainly stop or slow down the rotation of the earth to allow sunlight to be extended for Joshua. How big and powerful is your God? You see, proclamation number three. My God is so big, He can supernaturally intervene to do the impossible. My God is so big, He can supernaturally intervene to do the impossible. My friends, this is the God we worship and trust. This is the God in whom we place our faith. The God who can do the impossible. Notice in verse 14 what the writer notes, that never before in history until the present has something so miraculous taken place. And the reason is that God did it because He desired to help Israel. You know, the Canaanites believed in a false god or false gods. And in their pagan religion, they looked upon the sun and the moon as deities who would help them. You can certainly imagine as they were running away from the Israelites who were chasing them that they would be calling upon their false sun god or their false moon god who did not respond to their cries for help, who seemed to be frozen at the command of the almighty true God. But because there is only one true God who controls the celestial bodies of the universe, He can break into natural law to do supernatural acts like to stop or to slow down the rotation of the earth in order to do the impossible. To this day, modern science cannot explain how my vocal cord cyst or polyp, which needed surgical intervention to remove, simply disappeared to the amazement of the head of the ENT department at the famed Baylor Medical School. Medical science cannot explain how my mother's recurrent breast cancer whose cancerous mass was so large, surgery was not an option and had spread to other systems and had been given a short time to live, simply disappeared after the prayerful intervention of many around the world. And it was even the oncological experts at the famed M.D. Anderson Cancer Center that described it as a miracle. Now, God does not always supernaturally intervene when we want it to happen, But the fact that He does and is able to is something we should focus on, that we know that He can do the impossible if in His sovereign will He allows for it. That's why the angel Gabriel told Mary in Luke chapter 1 verse 37, when Mary was wondering how a virgin birth could occur, Gabriel told Mary, for with God nothing will be impossible. And so, like obedience, which we talked about two weeks ago, our faith in the power of God should not be results-based. Our faith should be upon the very character of the person of God who is able to do all things in accordance with His will, where our God can choose to break into natural law and do the supernatural and do the impossible. And that's why there's always hope, even in seemingly hopeless times, Because our God is in control and He does do the supernatural and He can intervene to do the impossible if it is His will. And so there is always hope for the hopeless and help for those who are in trouble. Praise God for that. My God is so big, He can supernaturally intervene to do the impossible. Look at verses 16 to 19 with me. But these five kings had fled and hidden themselves in a cave at Makeda. And it was told Joshua, saying, The five kings have been found hidden in the cave at Makeda. So Joshua said, Roll large stones against the mouth of the cave and set men by it to guard them. And do not stay there yourselves, but pursue your enemies and attack their rear guard. Do not allow them to enter their cities, for the Lord your God has delivered them into your hand. The Bible tells us that the five kings had hidden themselves in a cave at Maqueda, And if you know this region of Canaan, there are lots of places to hide where no one could find you if they hid themselves well. But providentially, God allowed the Israelites to find the five kings who were hiding. You see, we can declare proclamation number four. My God is so big, no one will escape His all-seeing eyes. My God is so big, no one will escape His all-seeing eyes. These kings thought they could hide and be safe in the cave of Makeda. But God allowed the Israelite soldiers to find them out. You know what a comfort it is to know that the God we worship and the God we trust is the same God who tells us He sees everything. If anyone has ever taken advantage of us or mistreated us or lied about us, He sees those things. And the Bible tells us He will take care of it. He will avenge those things. If there is a misunderstanding or circumstances where we are misunderstood or where we have been wrongly accused of something or someone seemingly seems to get away with something, don't worry. Our God is so big, no one will escape His all-seeing eyes. That is why judgment is the Lord's. And throughout the Scriptures, He promises to judge all people for all the works they have done, whether they are seen or unseen, because He sees all. And that is what is happening to these kings, who were found out, and judgment was exacted upon them. Look with me now at verses 20 to 24. Then it happened, while Joshua and the children of Israel made an end of slaying them with a very great slaughter, till they had finished that those who escaped entered fortified cities. And all the people returned to the camp, to Joshua at Makeda, in peace. No one moved his tongue against any of the children of Israel. Then Joshua said, Open the mouth of the cave and bring out those five kings to me from the cave. And they did so, and they brought out those five kings to him from the cave the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon. So it was when they brought out those kings to Joshua that Joshua called for all the men of Israel. And they said to the captains of the men of war who went with him, Come near, put your feet on the necks of these kings. And they drew near and put their feet on their necks. The armies of the five kings were decimated by the Lord. And now the kings were brought out from the cave and as a sign of complete subjugation for the people of the ancient Near East, they had feet placed on their necks and then they were killed. Look at verses 25 to 27. Then Joshua said to them, Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. Be strong and of good courage. For thus the Lord will do to all your enemies against whom you fight. And afterward... Joshua struck them and killed them and hanged them on five trees. And they were hanging on the trees until evening. So it was at the time of the going down of the sun that Joshua commanded. And they took them down from the trees and cast them into the cave where they had been hidden and laid large stones against the cave's mouth, which remains until this very day. Look at the words of Joshua to the people in verse 25. Echoing the Lord's own word to Joshua over and over. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Be strong. Be courageous. For what reason? Verse 25. For the Lord will be the one to act against your enemies. The Almighty God will render help in time of need. Verse 27 tells us that at the end of the longest day in the history of the world, which was probably close to a 48-hour day. And remember how it began? It began with a 9-10-hour to march from Gilgal, and then a sudden precision hailstorm, followed by the sun that never seemed to set, and the moon that never rose for the longest of times. And then the finding of these five kings who thought that they could never be found. One can only look back at this longest of days and say, My God is so big. As you read God's Word and you recognize the truth of what the Scriptures reveal about God, can you say, My God is so big, He enables me to overcome my challenges. My God is so big, He uses nature to accomplish His will. My God is so big, He can supernaturally intervene to do the impossible. My God is so big, no one will escape His all-seeing eye. I like what John Ortberg writes. If I wake up in the morning and go through the day with a shrunken small God, there are consequences. I will live in a constant state of fear and anxiety because everything depends on me and my mood will be governed by whatever circumstances hit me that day. If I live with a shrunken small God, I will find it unnatural to pray when I have a need. Because I'm not really sure, to be honest, that God makes a difference or that prayer matters. If I live with a shrunken small God, I will become a slave to whatever other people think of me. Because I don't live in the security of a big God's acceptance of me. If I face temptation to speak deceitful words in order to avoid trouble, I'll do it. Or if I can get credit for something at work that I haven't earned and I don't trust, there's a God who sees in secret and will one day reward it, I'll do it. When humans begin shrinking God, making a small God, a God they worship, they pray without faith, worship without awe, serve without joy, suffer without hope. And the result is a life of stagnation and fear a loss of vision, an inability to persevere and see it through. It's against this backdrop. The writers of Scripture never tire of telling us that we do not live with a little God, that we have an awesome big God. Whatever our needs, our God is bigger. Whatever our weakness, God is stronger. So my friends, remember Our God is so big, so strong, and so mighty, there's nothing our God cannot do. There's nothing our God cannot do for you and for me. Let's pray. Father, thank You for the reminder through Your Word of how great and awesome You are. It is because in our minds we have made You so small that we have succumbed to our fear. We have forgotten that there is a God who can supernaturally intervene to do the impossible. We have forgotten that there is a God like You who uses nature to accomplish His will. We have forgotten that You, God, see all things and no one can escape from it. And we have forgotten that You enable us to overcome any of the challenges we undergo. So, Father, I pray that those who have studied and listened to your word would have a sense of just how amazing you are. And by claiming how big and mighty our God is, we will live through this life, through our challenges, through our crucibles, with courage and with confidence. Bless your people, for we have been reminded today that our God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There is nothing our God cannot do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.